WPG Talk Radio 95.5. And a happy new year to all. Welcome to Rack and Fin Radio with me, Tom P. Weekend of October 2nd and 3rd in Parallel Universe of Rack and Fin Radio when the season opens indeed calls for a happy new year. The wonderful month of October. Opening of the statewide archery deer season. I know, I know, some areas, North, Central, and check it out on my blog, North, Central, and South were hit by EHD. A deer died in different areas of the state, but on the overall, still plenty of white tails out there. We're seeing racks on public land, especially, also speaking of public land, just a reminder, actually it started last night uh, for today and for October 9th, 16th, and 23rd. Division of Fish and Wildlife will be stocking 11 management areas with chuckers as part of the dog. All these areas have beautiful dog training spots. Here's your opportunity. Get that pup, get that seasoned veteran dog out there. Fire it up for the pheasant season. Pheasant stock is going to be happening pretty soon. In the Rackman Radio Listening Area, Central Region, Aspenpink, Collier's Mills, Manasquan, Stafford Forge, Wildlife Management Areas, and in the South, Glassboro, Millville, and Tuckahoe will be receiving chuckers. Go to njfishandwildlife.com for some more information. Hey, man, it's tournament time. We have a really jammed show. Have to be quick on us. It's tournament time. It's the LBI Surf Class. going to be starting pretty soon. It's a really intriguing tournament at Seaside Park. Listen to me, surf tournament. Next October, yeah, October 10th. Up there in uh, at the beaches of Seaside Park, American the American Angler Classic. American Angler Classic. I've been seeing that now for a couple of years. American Angler Classic. This is, it's turning into, if it's not already, the premier tournament organizer in the state. Joining us online right now is the, I guess, owner, president, uh, head, uh, head guy of uh, American Angler is Carl Harbin. Carl, how's it going? Excellent. How you doing, Tom? I, I don't know how many hats you wear with this American Angler thing, little bit. I mean, you're the fundraiser. Get you, you get all the sponsors lined up. Do you have ten heads or what, Hartman? Yeah, I got a lot of opportunities to do a lot of things, and I wear a lot of hats. That's for sure. Well, Carl, tell us about this. Uh, what's this American Classic tournament up there next week all about? Listen to me. Let me interrupt you. Okay. Listen on his yeah. tournaments. He gets guys and gals from all over the state, whether it's in Bay or whether it's LBI or Seaside. Carl, you attract surf aficionados from all corners of the state, man. Well, we get them from Boston. We get them from PA. We get them oh. from Maryland. We get them from all around, oh. everywhere, everywhere oh. that comes along. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, we're, we're pretty much on the East Coast these days. Okay, so go into this tournament coming up next week. What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Well, what it is, the American Angler uh, Tournament is a, a big tournament where we have about maybe a couple hundred anglers, and we take over the beaches over in Seaside Park. And what we do is that we have this one-day tournament where we have four-by-four four access, and we fish for the biggest fish, which could be anything from a bass to a weak fish to a blue, et cetera. Even kingfish are in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you're allowed to use two poles, all right? And there's some fantastic prizes going out, and especially for the kids. The kids have got some really good stuff going on. Beautiful. But, uh, I mean, the prizes are all together. The prizes are like well over $5,000. Whoa. It's just a one-day event, one big day event, and we just try to, to do it the right way, bring people onto the beach, show them a little bit about recreational fishing, and it's just uh, you know something that's very good. Well, very bro, good. How do people get involved? Is it too late to sign up? What's the dealio, bro? Go. Absolutely not. Uh, you can go to AmericanAnglerUS.com or contact me directly or through Facebook on American Angler. They can reach out to me if they want to register up until the last minute uh, through Venmo, PayPal, or cash, or whatever. We figure it out. People can get registered right up to the very last minute. 
I'm going to be located at Brighton Ave um, the morning of with a table set up for anybody who wants to get in last minute. But right now we have well over 100 people signed up. And uh, we're doing some fantastic uh, attendance for this uh, event. Well, uh, Carl, going to it, I know the industry. I know uh, alligator arms, short, you know, short arms, not deep, very shallow pockets. How do you line up and commit all these great sponsors? List some of those guys, please. Well, absolutely. Uh, Some of them are some top end ones. We got Porter Rod. We have Century Rod. We have Stop and Shop, Betty and Nick's. Hook House, Grumpy's Bait and Tackle, Gabriel Gabrielson Bait and Tackle, Muller Insurance, you name it. We've got so many. Fireplaces Plus, uh, and a few new ones. Lester Glenn just signed on a little while ago. The dealership? So the just, car the car store? Get yeah, out of here! Yeah. Wow! Yeah, they're, and they're, throw, they're throwing in a Van Stall reel for the largest striped bass caught that day. That, oh, that, which is basically $600, you know? So, okay, Carl, before I let you go, we have a shout out, shout out to Paul Carner, who will be competing in this tournament. It was in a tournament last weekend. I call it Check It Out or the Checkmate. He is the Check Angler. So, Carl, you have a great uh, great tournament next week. Good luck. Maybe I'll see you up there. Again, uh, go into your sponsors one more time. That was an impressive list. Go. Yeah, no problem. Century Rod, Casa Del Mar, Betty and Nick's, Hook House, Bait and Tackle, Grumpy's, Gabrielson, Stop and Shop, Porter Rod, Muller Insurance, Fireplaces Plus, and again, Lester Glenn, big sponsor. Listen, with a Van Stall Reel. October, so. October 10th, the beach is a seaside park. I'll give that website, please, or Facebook page. Go. Yeah, no problem. www.americananglerus.com, and our Facebook page is American Angler, period. That's it. Come and join us. Hey, uh, Hartman, uh, when do you sleep, man? Yeah. When do you sleep? I, I, when, I, when do I, I sleep? I, I, do. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> We'll see you, Carl. Take care, man. Bye-bye. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. South Jersey's Talk Station. Download Rack and Fin Radio as a podcast on the WPG Talk Radio app. Rack and Fin Radio with Tom P. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Okay, state of flux right now with the saltwater fishing scene. Talk still open. One fish. And that's going to be until November 16th when the uh, the limit will jump up again. You have some porgies showing up. Striped bass in the back and inlets are really percolating. The water's getting cooler. A lot of stuff happening. Some some rumors about the uh, gray sea trout showing up. You know, the steelies, they call them. They're, they're supposed to be in the back. You still have sheepshead around. You still have a lot of triggerfish around. But all eyes are on the calendar for October 8th, next Friday. When the sea bass season reopens and the limit goes back to 10 fish at 12.8, 12.5 rather inches. And let me tell you something. We have, from the reports I'm getting from the party boat guys and some, from some private anglers, the reefs are loaded, are loaded with sea bass. They have been for the past, I guess, month, month or so. A couple of guys, Tom P, we could have had a boat limit of sea bass at 10 fish. Okay, but again, how to go back. There is a reason for that in a management plan of things. But back to the reef system. We have the best reef system, I say, in the coast of the United States, if not the planet. And my next guest, patiently waiting on the line, will definitely agree with that and say it's probably even better than that. We have reefs here that are going to be loaded with sea bass, going to offer top-notch fishing for one of the best-tasting fish in the ocean. Joining us on the line right now is Peter Clark, fisheries biologist, 
Bureau of Marine Fisheries, and he is head of the Artificial Reef Project, a high-octane guy who just is proud of his reefs. Like he's, I think he's like they're like his second family. Pete, how you doing, man? I'm, I'm excellent, Tom. Thanks. Thanks for having me today. You're more than welcome, Pete. I called you last week. I'm wired, fired, otherwise inspired for this reopening of the sea bass season. Dropping real fishing, it looks like, Pete. And then the reefs are packed with with sea bass, most of the reefs anyway, from the reports I'm getting. Uh, how does it look on your end? Yeah, I mean, what's not to be excited about? Black sea bass, it's the cornerstone, right? It starts us off in the in the spring. We get uh, 10 fish, 12 and a half inches when we open up in May banging away at them in the spring. We get through the summer with fluke and then right back to sea bass again, October 8th. I mean, you're exactly right, Tom. These reefs are absolutely loaded with sea bass right now. You know, as you know, sea bass have uh, a pretty extensive range, range from Maine all the way down to the Florida Keys, but they, they concentrate from Massachusetts to Virginia. And of course, right in the middle of that is the state of New Jersey, the beautiful garden state. Mm-hmm. And... What they do in the summertime is they come in and they live in 120 feet of water or less, okay? And that is right in the sweet spot for New Jersey's reef systems. Oh, yeah. So before these things start vacating and going back offshore in the wintertime, uh, back into 200 feet, 180, 200, you know, and, and sometimes much greater than that, yep. it's time to get on the reefs. It's time to start banging away at these things, you know? Um, one of my favorite fish is the catch for sure. They're awesome. They are a lot of fun. Listen, the season's going to run till October 31st. And then from November 1st to December 31st, it's going to jump to 15 inches, uh, 15 uh, fish 30. rather. Yeah, 15 fish at 13 inches rather. But here's the thing. Yeah. That's when they are moved off pretty much. That's as Pete just yeah. said, that's the, basically the deep water fishing. Right now, it looks like we have upcoming 22 days of rod and reel drop, drop and catch mayhem, man. And, and I'm getting too crazy. Pete, here's my situation. Which reef do I pick? I mean, well, there are a lot of them, man. Listen, so, you know, I, I want to talk to you about three of, you know, three of, I love all the reefs. Come on, let's be honest. All 17 of our reefs are absolutely, absolutely outstanding. But, you know, we've been doing some really exciting work on a couple of reefs right near uh, between Barnegat Inlet and Little Egg. And, um, you know, the Garden State North, the Garden State South and the Little Egg Inlet Reef. Uh, you know, these all three of these reefs are are really inundated with black sea bass right now. But you know, I'd like to talk a little. Sea bass are really they're a really cool animal. All right, and you know, I've talked to you about this before. They um they have a really a really interesting um, strategy for for survival, and it's not it's not uncommon for reef fishes to do this, but you know, not a lot of fish off the coast of New Jersey do this. And uh, so they're, they're protogenous hermaphrodites, which means that they all start life as a female. And then they become, um, as they sexually mature of around 9 to 13 inches or 2 to 5 years of age, they transition to, uh, some of them will transition, about 35% will transition to males. Whoa. And here's the, here's, here's the, the cool cool part, right? So... Um, I mean, if that's not cool enough, you know, we always talk about these, uh, you know, those big blue and the how they, they're purple, especially in the right. fall. And the, you know, I mean, just these gorgeous colors of fish. And what that is, is those are the dominant males. When, the, when, those, when, the, when a male in the school is a dominant male, 
it gets that huge hump on its head. The knucklehead. Yep. Yeah, the big knucklehead. Those are the dominants. And, uh, you know, when you remove, and there's several other males that are subordinates, but as you, if you remove a dominant male, then one of the other males will take its place after you remove it from that school. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, you know, these things, they're designed to eat, right? They've got huge mouths. You know, a lot, you'll find little lobsters in there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all sorts of stuff, crabs, shrimp, you know, small fish, everything under the sun, they are going for it. And that's what they're, they're very aggressive. And that's what makes them such a fun fish to target on our reefs. You drop a, a, a high, low rig down, man, a little clam, some squid on that thing. It's just like you said, drop and reel fishing one over the other. Over the rail and into the pail, baby. <laughs> and let, you know, as these move offshore, Tom, that's when those jiggers come out. You get, you start dropping some metal down on these things, and oh, you yeah. get that dick reaction bite. You know, um, on some of our deeper water reefs, like deep water, and uh, you know, up, up north we've got the Shark River. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, that deep water reef is that's a sick reef out there um, off of uh, off the coast of New Jersey. So, yeah, man. Pete, speaking about the aggressiveness of, of the sea bass feeding, you know, again, we, we caught them with, you know, the little crabs or whatever in them. One time we hit a pod, this was several years ago, three or four fish came over. Pete, they were spitting up little squid, little whole squid. I never saw that oh, before. Oh, totally. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you'll see that. Whatever's available, right? So whatever prey item is in highest availability, that's what those things are going after, you know? And we've had some good squid years in the past uh, mm-hmm. couple of years here, so... Yeah, not surprising at all to see that. Pete, yeah. numbers numbers of the resource, the, the stock, is it in good shape, super good shape? You know, you hear things about it's been rebuilt over 200%, all these numbers coming at you. Is the resource itself healthy enough? Because they're going to it's going to get slammed. <laughs> that 22-day period yeah. till October 31st, till November 1st, it's going to be balls to the wall fishing for them. They can absorb that, correct? Yeah, you know what? So you're absolutely right. And, and the question is, are they in good shape? Now, let me, let me back up a minute. So in 2019, we did an operational stock assessment, which means we took new updated data, just numbers, and put it through an existing model. And, and in both cases, as you know, Tom, there's, consider, there's two stocks of black sea bass. There's a mid-Atlantic and a South Atlantic stock, okay? Mm-hmm, right. And in that 2019 operational assessment, it was um, defined that both stocks were not overfished and neither were uh, experiencing overfishing. And you just said it. In fact, the stock is doing so well that the uh, spawning stock biomass, which is, you know, just that it's the, the number of fish that can um, produce new fish for the population is 230% of the target. Okay. You so <laughs> there is, there is no, there's, you know, I, I, I would almost venture to say that there's no end in sight for the conveyor belt of, of black sea bass coming into the fishery. It It's fantastic. Well, Just That's the simplest way to say it. Okay, join us on the line is Peter Clark, fisheries biologist, Bureau of Marine Fisheries. He's head of the Artificial Reef Project. We're talking sea bass season reopens October 8th. It's going to run to the 31st and reopen again in November, run to the end of December. But, Pete, which begs the question, and I, I hear this all the time, and I you know, visit a lot of tackle shops, why isn't the limit increased? If it's rebuilt that strongly, why is it increased? I said that's a big management 
morass that has to get you know waded through and whatever. But Pete, a simple a simple answer to that question is there one? Well, yes and no. So the simple answer is that we need a, a revamp of our management strategy, and and then and then this is where the the you know the details and the the long-winded explanation come in. So management doesn't, it's not instantaneous, especially when we're doing a big revamp like this. So right. there's a new, there's a new um, addendum on the table right now. It's called the Re- Recreational Reform Act. And what we're, what we're hoping to do is we're, we're you know, Magnuson Stevens Act kind of is our, that's our guiding document for, um, for fisheries. And we're working with uh, National Marine Fisheries Ster- Service, the Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commission, and the uh, Mid-Atlantic Marine Fisheries Council to revamp the way that we not only manage recreational fisheries, but also commercial fisheries, because they're coupled, right? They they work together. And, um, you know, one of the things that we need to be able to do is is have a level of flexibility in management. And currently, uh, MSA, Magnuson-Stevens Act, doesn't quite allow us the levels that we'd, we'd like to have. So... Um, in lieu of that, we are starting a, uh, a new process that's, that's actually been, been under underway for over two years now. Okay. And we're getting close. We're hoping in December we'll have a final action from the uh, Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commission board, Black Sea Bass board, where it'll give us some um, what are called harvest control rules stating that, um, you know, under certain scenarios, based on our harvest, we'll be able to liberalize or we'll have to stay the same or we'll have to um, take a slight reduction in some cases, possibly. And it'll give us a, a better roadmap on how to handle a stock that is at such a high percentage of its target. So, yeah, fair enough. There's the short yeah. answer. There's, <laughs> fair enough. Hey, Pete, we're up against a hard break. You hang in for another segment, please. I want to. I want. I want to get more. I want to talk more about this incredible reef system. I know you have some recent deployments. More deployments coming up. People, grab that cup. Grab that red. We'll be right back with Pete Clark talking sea bass and the artificial reef system in New Jersey, which is second to none on the planet. How's that, Clark? I like it. <laughs> I'll be right back. Rack and Fin Radio. So what is Talk With a Purpose? It's a lively, informative, number one rated talk show on Saturday morning. Hi, this is John DeMassey. Join me and my guests every Saturday from 9 a.m. till noon for Talk With a Purpose, heard right here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. And if you miss it on Saturday, we replay it on Sunday from 5 until 8 p.m. Don't miss Talk With a Purpose, Saturday and Sunday, right here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. South Jersey's talk station. Like Rack and Fin Radio with Tom P. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Welcome back to Rack and Fin Radio with me, Tom P. October 2nd and 3rd. That weekend is here already. Where did September go? But again, before we get back to Pete, sorry, Pete, to keep you hanging out. But October is like May, the two premier hunting, fishing, outdoor camping, heck, whatever, months on the calendar. But I digress. Let's get back to Pete Clark. He's the Fisheries Biologist, Bureau of Marine Fisheries, and Head of the Artificial Reef Project. Okay, Pete, we can talk down to sea bass. That's good. Let's get to why the bottom fishing, okay, the sea bass, the tog, the fluke, a.k.a. summer flounder, why it's so incredible along the Jersey Shore. A lot of it has to do with the artificial reef system. You inherited the project from you, Carberry, who inherited it from uh, Bill Figley, and it's just going gangbusters. And, Pete, and I fish Florida, I fish a lot of places. This reef system is kick-ass, little brother. 
Yeah, man. You know, I'm often asked, where would you live? I'm an avid angler, as you well know, Tom. Oh, yeah. People often ask me, if you could live anywhere, where would it be? And the the answer is New Jersey. And and the reason is our fishing is second to none. And in large part, Mm -hmm. due to the reef system that we had, these guys, Bill Figley, Hugh Carberry, they dropped in my lap one of the best programs on the planet. And, you know, we've just been rocking and rolling with this thing. We've been doing a... I think we're up to our 16th deployment for the year right now, Whoa. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. It's almost like a football term. Like, you picked up the rock and you ran with it, man. <laughs> well, yeah, it wasn't hard to do. Those guys were fantastic. They've, uh, they they showed me the way. And, um, yeah, I'm just carrying the ball, as you said. We're going into the end zone, baby. <laughs> Again, we mentioned Garden State North, Garden State South, Little Leg. I mean, we have the Atlantic City Reef, the Cape May Reef. We've got little sleeper reefs to me, like the Townsend's Inlet Reef, Wildwood Reef. But, Pete, sea bass-wise, what yep. structure do they for? I know Todd love tanks. Uh, fluke log tanks, reef balls, things like that. What did a sea bass naturally, like their preferred structure, and what do they gravitate to, in your opinion? You know what? Anything that's got some good vertical relief. So um, typically you're looking at rock outcroppings. You're looking at jetties and pilings up, you know, up in the New England waters. And off in New Jersey, you're looking at our reefs. So any of those higher concrete, any of those higher structures that you can find, you're going to find sea bass absolutely loaded on them. And, um, you know, I'd like to talk to you about three reefs that are near and dear to my heart, the Garden State North, the Garden State South, and the Little Egg Inlet Reef. You know, three of the three of the greatest reefs, Garden State North and South haven't had material in quite some time. Um, it's been about 10 years since they've gotten a good shot of material. Wow. But we just recently have put reef balls down on Garden State South and on Little Leg. We've really been working towards uh, putting material on the middle in, in the middle of our state. These right. are these are reefs that are difficult to get to, um, you know, proximity wise from some of our major cities where we get material from. As you know, we use a lot of repurposed material, whether it's right. an old bridge or an old jet, uh, an old dock, or, you know, concrete dock or bulkhead. Um, so, so finally, we've got some great material going in the uh, the Beach Haven uh, Charter Fishing Fishing Association, along with the Sport Fishing Fund and um, and the Beach Haven Marlin Club. They've they've really stepped up recently in the last few years and said, you know what, we need material. It's time yep. to get some money put into these reefs, and that's what we're doing. So. And, um, and Peter, I want to give I want to give a shout out too to that uh, junior mates program. These kids are fired up. I run into them fired. every once in a while. Pete, these kids are fired up for the reef system, man. Yeah, they are absolutely. So, um, listen, Garden State North, right? You're gonna, you guys are going to be going on to Garden State North. You're going to be looking for uh, those reef balls. Listen, it's six and a half mi- nautical miles off the beach, right? It's um, it's about sixty six to eighty feet in depth. Seven miles from Barnegat Inlet and about 14 miles from Little Egg. It's got 164 deployments, 50 Redbird subway cars, over 500 reef balls, okay? <laughs> and now the the 40 armored personnel carriers and tanks, that's, you know, you want to go looking for those. You want to be looking at the reef balls. 16 ships or barges and over 4,000 tire units. That's where everybody likes the fluke. That's the, the tires, right, yeah. On those tires, you know? And then if we move south in the Garden State South Reef, this is where we just put a new load of reef balls on uh, last week. We got uh, five miles off the beach, smaller reef. It's only about a 0.6 square miles, 
50 to 60 feet in depth about. It's uh, nine miles from Little Egg, 11 from Barnegat, 93 total deployments. Again, over 500 reef balls, 11 ships and barges, 40 military vehicles, and over 2,000 uh, tire units. So, you know, we're working on it. We're getting right. there. We're, we're, we're starting to put more stuff on. And then, of course, you've got Little Egg. Um, we've, we've put, listen, in, in, the, in the most, we've done over 80 deployments on Little Egg, but we've done five deployments this year on Little Egg. Okay. Wow. And what's so cool about Little Egg is it's right off the inlet. It's right off right, the yep. Little Egg inlet. It gets, you know, it's got an influence from all that, all that, uh, that estuarine influence. And I'll tell you what, what a, what a productive reef that it's one and a half miles in the area. All right. So it's not tiny. It's got some, it's got some room on it mm-hmm. and, uh, it's got a, Great depth range from 50 to 65, 70 feet uh, close to Little Egg. It's only five miles from Little Egg uh, Inlet, nine miles from AC Inlet. Um, just a, a fantastic little reef. You know, it's got a, a lot of de- lot of different deployments on it. Plenty of reef balls. It's got some great ships on it and barges. Uh, so yeah, go out and bang away, man. Get those top high lows out there and start <laughs> start hitting it. Okay, Peter. Well, Pete, you know, you mentioned the ships and the barges. I mean, then there was the, the story of the Radford that was amazing. But really, it's a super labor intensive getting these. They, don't they have to be cleaned, utmost spotless, whatever, totally, totally like pollutant free before yes. they're deployed? What what goes involved with that? Yeah. So you know, Tom, when we get a ship offered to us, it goes through a very intensive process. We have to remove all wiring, all wood, all insulation, any plastic, any windows. Uh, all the machinery comes out, all of the tanks are either removed or emptied and, and cleaned with degreaser and steam to get it down to absolute bare metal. By the time that we put a piece of, uh, you know, ship, a barge, a tank on the bottom of the ocean, it is nothing but a metal shell, literally, um, absolutely spotless. We get, uh, I inspect these, these, uh, these items, relentlessly over Mm -hmm. the course of preparation. And then of course the coast guard comes in and they do another inspection. Wow. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and Pete, one other, one other uh, type of cover we we didn't mention and the reef balls in the ship, but I know you're a fan of it and it produces incredible amounts of, you know, forage, fish, whatever is those concrete castings. Then the culverts, that's a, that's amazing stuff. Yeah, that, that stuff is amazing, and I like it because it's usually free. One of the programs that we haven't done in quite some time was the reef ball program where we were developing, we were building 500 reef balls a year. And now just recently, we got back in the reef ball business. Um, we've got, we're working with uh, the Aids to Navigation, which is one of the DEP departments. They've got a ship that we're using to deploy uh, reef balls right now. We've got some of the uh, concrete unions in North and South Jersey that are pouring reef balls for us. So stay that's tuned. incredible. That's great. <laughs> all, all, you know, all no cost. So we're not, we're, we don't have to purchase this stuff. And that's always, that's the hardest part, Tom. The New Jersey reef program doesn't have funding mm-hmm. to buy its own material. So we are 100% um, in, in need of sponsorship and that's where we come in with the sport fishing fund and groups like um the beach haven charter fishing association and the different fishing clubs along the coast of new jersey those are really the guys that are building our reef system well Pete, tell me if i'm a little off base here maybe you can't answer this or not but again 
private, someone, a memory of someone, someone, a family wants to put a reef ball down. Would they? Would that be part of a deployment? Is that possible, or is it strictly from uh, clubs and organizations? No, you're, I, that's a good point, Tom. That is a hundred percent. You know, one of the things that we do, we call those the memorial reefs. So, um, if somebody is looking to do a memorial for somebody, they can call. Uh, they can call me. Go on to the NJDFW Division of Fish and Wildlife website and uh, go to the reef program, find my contact information, give me a call, and uh, for they, they donate money to one of our nonprofit organizations, and we get a memorial uh, set up. comes with a plaque and uh, naming of that uh, structure. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, well, Pete, before I let you go here, uh, well, I, you know, it's too exciting. All the hair on my body standing up here. When I think about the future of the reef program, you're, you're – Mine is in a constant state of motion. You have a great crew up there in Naco Creek working on this. Plans for the future. I mean, Delaware Bay has the reef there. That's that's a work in progress. I get that. Are more reefs planned or expansions of existing reefs? Is that possible in the next uh, couple of years? Well, so, you know, we're always in a maintenance, a maintenance uh, track, right? So we've got 17 reefs going from Sandy Hook all the way down to Cape May and up into Delaware Bay right now. And we are constantly in a state of maintenance, which means that, for instance, 16 deployments were made this year on four to five different reefs. Um, we'll continue to do that. As far as expanding our current system from 17 to more than that, um, that's something that the New Jersey Marine Fisheries Council would have to um, bring up and take public comment on. And that's the process. Once we receive um, a track for new development, then it has to go through a rigorous process with the army corps of engineers and national marine fisheries service to get mm-hmm. uh, clearance to build so uh that's always a possibility but there's nothing directly on uh in the queue right now to do that okay Peter. And pete one last question people you know tom p is a sandbagger pete is there updated information on the reef system i know most people i say go to njfishandwildlife.com go to saltwater fishing link then go to artificial uh, reef program link but things are, uh, again, more deployments, more things happening. Is there an updated version available or coming out? Yeah, so, Tom, stay tuned. We've got a new updated reef guide coming out with over 1,200 new coordinates. Woo! Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's been about 11 years since we've had a guide. And, uh, yeah, this one will be found on our website. You'll be able to download all of the coordinates for our deployments. So you can put them on a SIM card, download them right into your GPS unit. We're plan right now is to have that done before the end of the year. We're close. We're close, man. Getting it done. Peter Peter Clark, Fisheries Biologist, Bureau of Marine Fisheries, Heavy Artificial Reef Project. Thanks for joining us on Rack of Enlisters. Sea Bass Season reopens October 8th. It's going to run through the 31st. Ten fish at 12.5 inches. 22 days of mayhem. They're in numbers. They're they're thickening the hair on my head. Get out there and enjoy. Pete, be safe out there on the water. Hope to see you soon, Ben. And thanks again for the great work. Thanks, Tom. Have a great day. We'll see you, brother. Oh, way longer than that segment, too. I'll get some break. Be right back. Rack and Fin Radio. P. Clark, sea bass, artificial reefs. Doesn't get any better than that. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM, South Jersey's talk station. Fox News, I'm Jill Nato. California is going to be the first state in the U.S. to require COVID vaccines for all children in public or private schools. Governor Gavin Newsom. We want to get this thing done. We want to end this pandemic. We are all exhausted by it. Students will have to be vaccinated the semester following full U.S. approval of the shots for their age group. 
Cybersecurity experts are raising the alarm on China and hack attacks. The head of the National Security Agency's Cybersecurity Directorate says China's government backs more hackers than the rest of the world combined. And analysts say the hacking has become more aggressive. The Biden administration is working its way through a complicated relationship with China, maintaining tariffs and admonishing China on human rights. Fox's Rich Edson. America's listening to Fox News. Your WPG Talk Radio 95.5 AccuWeather forecast for South Jersey. Clear, chilly overnight, low 48. In the Pine Barrens, it'll be closer to 40. Saturday, plenty of sunshine, a warm afternoon, high 76. Clear on Saturday night, not as chilly, low 59. Sunday, partly sunny, warmer, high 82. Monday, variable cloudiness, still warm. There will be a shower or two, high around 80. I'm AccuWeather's Kerr Babinski on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Rack and Fin Radio with Tom P. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Yo, welcome back to Rack and Fin Radio with me, Tom P. Weekend of October 2nd and 3rd. That was Peter Clark, Bureau of Marine Fisheries, Sea Bass, and the Artificial Reef Project, which is going gangbusters. Another thing going gangbusters, Bureau of Freshwater Fisheries. Hackettstown Hatchery up there in Warren County. Some breaking news earlier this week, actually Wednesday and Thursday, a statewide blitz was made, stocking channel cats from 12 inches to 14 and some bombers, the two and a half year olds that are 16 to 18 inches. Okay, and we had a big delivery down here in South Jersey. Want to go over some ponds and some lakes and the numbers that these fish are big they're beautiful they're sleek they they're like me in a, in a pizzeria they start to eat immediately pretty much immediately upon release and at the 12 inch minimum these are already ready to, to catch put on the stringer bring home fillet up and put in the pan first roll them into cornmeal first join us on the line right now is hackettstown hatchery superintendent Angler extraordinaire, hell of a deer hunter, if I say so myself. He is pretty good on a Bruins. Is Craig Lemon. Craig, thanks for joining us. Great news on the channel, kiddies, brother. How you doing? Good good news up here in the Northland. Lots of catfish. You know, be lots of lots of uh bobbers going under the water this weekend and pretty excited. Let me tell you something. I already put my order in at a couple of acmes and various points in the south for my chicken livers. <laughs> Nice. That's, nice. What, that's what I'm going to be doing, yeah. Craig. That's what I'm going to be doing from starting this afternoon, and especially the first few days of next week, give these things some time to acclimate. Listen, let's go over some uh, numbers here. In Giampetro Park Pond in Cumberland County, 40 of these uh, fish, Greenwich Lake in Gloucester and Grenlock Lake in Gloucester, 80 and 50 respectively. Oak Pond down there behind the, the Division Southern, Southern Regional Office, 50. Ponder Lodge Pond, these sleepers still, the most beautiful water in South Jersey, down there in the Villas in Cape May County. They got 110. Uh, Sylvan Lakes got 50. Heritage Park Pond right there. Shout out to Captain Dave DeRave showing up seeking. Right there, got 80. And Birch Grove Park here about, let's see, a mm, couple of hundred yard walk at that from the Rackenfin Radio Studio here at Town Square Media. Birch Grove Got 110. Now, these are prime channel cats. They are, they are great on ultralight and light tackle. They fight. They are every man's freshwater game fish. Craig, super job on this man. Again, this was a surprise. You gave me a call. I said, what? What? Let's get this on the air. Yeah. No, it's been a good year. Those fish are like two pounds a piece. Uh huh. So they're going to be they're going to be nice. And, yeah, and yeah. Greg, they they eat like crazy through the fall. I mean, we we caught them around thank you know when they especially at Birch Grove where they have the November stocking for trout Thanksgiving week. 
I'm using yeah, you know, I'm, I'm using trout know, magnets. I'm using power bait. We're catching some of these catfish. It's great. Yeah, everybody thinks the water's got to be 80 degrees to catch those fish, but they'll. I've seen guys catch them through the ice. Yeah, we've so, done that before too. Everybody's yeah. got to eat. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, Craig, the, the genesis of the, the catfish program growing in leaps and bounds. You stock thousands upon thousands upon thousands every year. Is the, the fall the prime time for stocking? Do you do any stocking to channels in the spring? No, it's a fall deal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we started stocking August 10th. So we've been stocking channels for, you know, a month and a half now. And, you know, we just finished up this past week and, uh, you know, we hit the south, those south church. And a lot of those waters you mentioned actually got the 12 inches and the 18 inches. Oh, you so got them mixed. <laughs> now they got them both. So, yeah. Oh, man. Yep. And listen, again, yeah. immediate harvest. You have youngsters or kids because the way the channel cats bite. And, Craig, they're, they're demonic little things. They fight hard. I mean, they put a stock trout to shame. Oh, yeah. They hit the, you know, they pull down. That's for sure. Now, the, you know, you don't see them dancing on the water top, but they'll definitely pull you to the bottom. Oh, yeah, man. And they'll, they'll, they'll I call yeah. them the rock and roll overs. Sort of like a, like, this is what a crock yeah. or gator gets you. Man. These things get the bait. Yeah, they, they roll. roll. <laughs> yeah. man, they try. Yeah. And I've had more than, yeah. I'd say, easily more than 100 of my lifetime get the line sawed off from those, those, uh, peck fins. With those spikes, they're serrated, yeah. and away they go. Well, Craig, now you stock oh, yeah. urban waters. You stock suburban waters, and you stock waters in bucolic settings like uh, Lake Aquatunk up in Stoke State Forest. I mean, it's an across-the-board Sussex to Cape May at yeah. all points in between program with the Channel Cats. The overall yeah. response from the public, what's it like? It's growing, like you said. The program's growing, and so is the response. You know, there's catfish clubs. you got the Delaware River Catfish Club, and, mm-hmm. you know, every everybody's getting into it, and it's like you said, it's a it's a ocean to Delaware River from Anquatonk to Ponder Lodge. You know, there's probably about 75 different water bodies in the state to get it, all mm-hmm. the way from Orange Park Pond, which might be a half an acre, to to Lake Hey, hey let me tell you about yeah. Orange Park Pond, 500 South Center Street. I used to go behind the garden apartments, hop the f- climb the tree, hop the fence, and I was right there. Walked past the little playground, and I was right there. It's a little kidney shaped pond. That's where yeah, a carp, that's yeah, where I learned to yeah. catch carp on floating bread. Listeners, you want to catch carp yeah, on the surface? Arnold Brick Oven Bread. All the other white bread suck. It's all mushy. Arnold Brick Oven Bread. Sorry, Craig, I digress. But again, we yeah. caught catfish out of that pond three and four pounds already. Oh yeah, that's that's the thing is you're getting you're seeing a lot of fish in that three to five pound range because mm-hmm. this pro you know it's an ongoing program. It's been going probably for fifteen years. These bigger fish, so you know you're seeing you know even in those little ponds too. It doesn't, you know, you don't have to go to, to the big lakes to catch big fish. Now, Craig, you know? let's get to the hatchery scene of things. People, you know, are familiar with, you know, the peak quest with the trout, with the raceways, the hat houses and the whole bit. What's involved the channel cats? I mean, they spawn in the ponds. You have spawning kegs for them or something like that. Go from, from yeah, spawning the spawning barrels. mass to stocking yeah. size. What's involved? Yeah, June 1st, we, you know, they start spawning when the water hits like 75 degrees. We put 30-gallon barrels out into the pond, and there's 300, uh, 320 adult fish out there and once a week we go into those barrels with chest waders on and you know kind of noodle those eggs out of there mm-hmm. and uh bring them in hatch them out and you know they they do spend like you said till like six inches they spend in the building and then they go out okay. to ponds mm-hmm. and and the 12 were you know year old fish and the the 18 to 20 you know some of those fish were 22 inches right so and they were they're two and a half year old fish but um that's one of our, you know, it's one of our big programs, and like I said, it's growing. Now, Craig, are they yeah. on, a, on a on a pellet pellet diet? They're on pellets from the day that you know, from the day they use up their egg sac at like one week old, they stay on pellets the whole time. Now, Craig, last yeah. October, 
Uh, he gave me the word. Unless I got some, an article somewhere in the blog, whatever. We put out what we call the super cats. Greg, you had a load. Some of these things were up to 30 inches. I saw them and I have photos. Yeah. A Heritage Park Pong outside. Birch Grove Park, Park Pong outside. <laughs> Ponder Lodge. These things, I mean, if a, I don't know, if a duck was on the water, it was gone. I mean, these things were monsters. Yeah, is. Now, is that every few years that you stock those bombers? Yeah, it's probably every three or four, depending, you know, depending on how things go. But, it's, you know, it's always at least every four years, if not every three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just get out there. Oh, no. Some of those fish were 12, 12, 15 pounds that they topped out at. Yeah, I remember the one kid struggling. I said, but and with the COVID thing, I'm saying 15, got a little sort of a telephoto on it. Can you hold? He says, dude, I'm trying to hold it. Craig, this was over <laughs> at first. And, and this thing was kicking his ass. Oh, yeah. And he finally, yeah, finally got it over the rail. Listen, Channel Cat stocked this past Wednesday and Thursday. Check it out. Gene Petro Park Pond, Greenwich Lake, Grenlock Lake, Oak Pond, Ponder Lodge Pond, Sylvan Lake, Heritage Park Pond, and Birch Grove Park Pond. Two and a half year olds. Join us online is Craig Lemon, Superintendent, Hackett Sound Hatchery. Again, Craig just told us there's some 12, you know, these are legal fish, 12 inches in there, but the majority are 16 to 18 inches. They bite right off the bat, they fight well, and they're great in the frying pan. A little bit of a freshwater break before the striper run really gets going, before sea bass season opens. Get out there and enjoy. Craig, that's perfect weather, perfect water temperatures. All hell's going to break loose in kitty dumb, man. Yeah, it was seven. You know, most of those water bodies were in the low 70s, so <laughs> they should be biting. This like is going to be mayhem, man. <laughs> well, yeah, Craig, thanks yeah. for a great job yeah. to you and that super crow. By the way, by the way, how is my main man, Ronnie Jacobson? Ron was on that. He was on a stocking truck all week. So, you know, 80 years old and going strong. He hasn't, hasn't missed a beat. Let me and tell you I, something. You know, he, he's a dedicated fish guy. That's for sure. Let me, let me tell you something. I've known Ronnie since I guess, 1978, 77. Listen, short guy, nothing big, but I'll tell you one dedicated to even at 80 years old, I wouldn't want to right cross from him. I only saw him mad once. And let me tell you something, Levin, it was a pretty picture. <laughs> No, he's. I mean, he is. He didn't have an ounce of fat on. Right, and his presentations you know, okay. when when he would go stock the you know stock the fish for the urban and suburban you know fishing derbies. Yeah. How he just. Dis- I, I mean, mean, the the people were enthralled. I mean, he had a, a crowd yeah. around. He was really great. No, he's great with the kids, and every time he's out stocking, he brings bobbers and digests, yeah. and you know, last week on uh, my my Go Fish Friday thing that I've got going on a division division page where we you know, he was out at. Uh, Canty's Pond at Silas Condit up in Kinalon, uh-huh. and there was a couple kids, couple kids fishing. He helped them, you know, he let the kids stock the catfish. And how great is that? With some bobbers. Yeah, <laughs> that's a little dinky pond, but it's gorgeous. And they actually caught a, caught a big bass while he was there, and he snapped a picture of him. We got him up on the website last Friday. So. That, is, that is great. Yeah, Listen, Channel yeah. Cat stocked this past Wednesday and Thursday earlier in the week as well. Get out there and enjoy. Craig, we'll see, you, man. Hey, uh, you all, all set right. for uh, for day? You going to be at this afternoon? Oh, probably. They, the deer moved big last night. Did I said they? to myself, I should get out and get in a tree, and I didn't. Looked on my cell cams, and sure enough, they were loaded with deer. So, <laughs> you know, this, we got a cold snap weather. It was 43 degrees in North Jersey yesterday morning. So, oh, okay. The deer are moving. The, the acorns have fallen on the ground, and the deer are moving. Good, Craig, take care. Great job on the Channel Cats. Great job on the hybrid stripers. Great job on the Northern Pike. Great job on the walleye. Great job on the muskies. Jesus We've got Christ. the landlock coming up, too. And we, got, and we, have, we have landlocked salmon in New Jersey. Does that kick ass or what? Craig, we'll see you yeah, in the woods, man. You, you take care, brother. All right. Yep, you guys have a good weekend.
If you're wondering what to do with your money in these unusual economic times, or if you have questions about retirement planning, IRAs, 401ks, or taxes, then listen to The Heart of Your Money, Saturday morning at 8 on WPG, featuring author and financial expert Joe Yakovich. The Heart of Your Money will focus on you, your family, and your financial portfolio. The Heart of Your Money with Joe Yakovich, Saturday morning at 8 on WPG, Talk Radio 95.5. Download Rack and Fin Radio as a podcast on the WPG Talk Radio app. Rack and Fin Radio with Tom P. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, you can uh, get a chance. Pick up the issue. If you don't subscribe, you're crazy. Pick up the October issue of the Fisherman Magazine. Great articles throughout. But uh, notice the cover. Very, very sad and special, but but. But just, hey, the people, this is tough for me. This is tough for me. Fred Golafaro, nineteen fifty-two to twenty twenty-one. This man's with, been with the fishermen for, I guess, since its inception. Didn't I, I would meet Fred over the years at, at ICAST um, every once in a while at a writers' meeting. Uh, we we talk on the phone on occasion. Just a very gentle man, a very knowledgeable man, a, a very loving family man. Always. Just always free. You ask him for advice. You ask him for some tips. Or just one of the most giving individuals in this fishing profession or in the profession of life that I have ever met. And uh, it, it was it was a sad day when I received news of, of Fred's passing. But I want I want you to get an idea of who this man was. And I called in Mike Caruso. He is now the owner and publisher, president of the Fisherman Magazine. And he worked with, I met Fred my first time, with, believe it or not, it was in 1981. Mike met him in 1992. Again, but Mike worked with him every day. And I want to get an insight from Mike himself about how special this man really was, whether he is on the beach, whether he's on a, I tell you, I was surprised how good he is with a fly rod catching trout, whether catching bass, or just sitting around giving instruction. He was an incredible just an incredible human being. Mike, sorry I got a little long there. We don't have much time, but I want you to know how much, yeah. when I miss Fred, how much I appreciate Fred, what he's done with me over the years, on occasion here and there. But on the overall, Mike, just how how great a guy he was, man. Yeah. Well, thanks, Tom. Yeah, he truly was an amazing human being. Um, you know, I had the really unique pleasure over the last 30 years to work right. really right beside him. And I had been reading The Fisherman, you know, even longer than that. I think I was 12 years old when I started reading it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, a really unique perspective on Fred. And, you know, he um, is really amazing, has an amazing legacy because over the last 40 years, right. um, hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of people have read his articles. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Enormous body of work about fishing through The Fisherman. Um, you know, he uh, also edited and collaborated with many of uh, many of the writers yeah. you know, many of the contributors you know so his touch was ever present through the things we did you know and um uh, he penned thousands of articles you know oh, he spoke at yeah, he does, hundreds yeah. of seminars he's been involved in marine marine conservation fisheries management uh beach access fishing access uh satellite tagging for striped bass reef deployment, you mm-hmm. name it. I mean, his hands were in everything. Now, Fred was the editor, editor of our Long Island edition and, and currently the, you know, was a senior editor. So yeah. he was working really closely with, with Jim Hutchinson and, uh, 
and Dave Anderson, uh, Dave Anderson up in New England. So, you know, those guys were quite a team. Um, and it's it's really just amazing when you think about all the things he's done. Send a kid fishing. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. Really cared about people, the fisheries, and to preserve and grow and to enrich people enrich people's lives through fishing. Mike, if I can interrupt you for a second, uh, when he said people, listen, when, he, when Mike just said he cared about people, I remember calling him up and I'd ask him about Montauk, right about the fisheries. I said, yeah, Fred, man, I'm going to go up there. I'm going to get, you know, bring this, bring this. Got my bait, got this, got, got my beach, you know, my sand spice. He said, in his deep baritone voice, Fred had a big teddy bear of a voice, big teddy bear of a man. He says, oh, yeah. hey, Tom P., uh, you, you may want to rethink that bait thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, you're right. I mean, when he spoke, he had this calm, soft, and gentle voice, and and that's really when you knew he yeah. had this really sweet soul because mm-hmm. he, he had a really, you know, he wasn't imposing. He didn't project. You had to get close to hear him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, what a sweetheart of a man, and you know what a um, what an icon in fishing. Sure. I mean, you know, so he really checked all the boxes. You know, when it came to uh, being, you know, uh, being in the publishing industry, part of the fishermen, um, you know, working with, uh, again, working with any kind of fisheries group and, um, you know, making change. A lot of those changes we're all going to benefit from for, mm-hmm. you know, years, years and years in the future. Um, and especially again on Long Island, but I think he did, you know, touch uh, people even into New Jersey. Sure. Uh, well, Mike, one of the things I, I, yeah. I, I appreciate about Fred always, he always seemed to have time or make time. I had a question or two about where to go with an article or an article idea or a question of fisheries management. And oh, yeah. as busy as he's was, as he was, like I said, with his hand in many pots, he always seemed to have time or make time for the individual. Not only for me, but I saw oh, it. Yeah. I saw it, Mike, across the decades, across hundreds of people. The man was amazing. Just amazing. You know, you're right. And I've seen it firsthand, whether we were on the beach. And I, I had the luxury of fishing with him many, many times. But you'd be on the beach with him. First of all, he's like, you know, the governor. Everyone knew him. <laughs> That's right. He yeah. would stop and chat with everyone. How we ever yeah. get, he'd catch all these fish. <laughs> right. But he... <laughs> He'd help, you know, he'd help the one guy who wasn't catching fish, and he'd give him, like, his last lure, show him how to use it, and then shortly after, this guy would be catching fish. But even in the office, calls would come in, and, you know, we have a large readership. We get a lot of calls. There's a oh, lot yeah. of questions to be, field, to be fielded, but he would spend gobs of time with, you know, a layman and someone new to fishermen and just tell them where to go, what to do, what to have, how to do it, when to be there, blah, blah, blah. He'd have all the answers. See, right, he was about as generous as they came. We really lost a great one here, and, um, you know, he, he, he does have a legacy that I think will, you know, continue, and, and we'll, we'll all learn. One of the biggest things I think we learned from a guy like Fred, it's not like, you know, all the fishing lessons and all the things he taught us. Uh, about fishing through his articles and seminars and such. But I, I think, you know, the thing the yeah. guy had was a lot of respect for anybody he came across. And, you know, today, yeah, that's right, today's Mike. world, Rain. boy, Rain. I think we all need to respect each other a lot more. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was a good example along those lines. You know, he really was uh, – he was interested in, and it was bipartisan. Maybe that's the best way to put it. Uh, Mikey, that's perfect. Listen, so we're speaking with Mike Caruso, owner and publisher, president of the Fisherman Magazine. Topic is the October issue. On the cover, Fred Golifaro, 1952-20 to 2021. An amazing man, a loving man, a gentleman, always 
always excited and in his in his subdued way teaching people giving some tips whatever like i said mike he asked advice yes fred was always free with his time giving time but he was a tireless tireless worker and totally devoted to the fishermen listen there's page three my friend fred golifaro publishers log by michael caruso go online fisherman.com subscribe subscribe to it pick up the magazine you you will you will maybe and maybe get a hint a hint of of how wonderful Fred Golifaro was by by reading Mike's uh, Mike's editorial. Mike, that was one of the best things I've ever read. You you, were, you really put your heart and soul and everything into it, brother. Hmm. Thanks, thanks a lot. Yeah, that's that I did. That I did. I mean, it was a uh, it was probably the hardest thing I ever wrote. Um, you know. Oh, that had to be Michael. That had to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, God bless his soul. He's a great guy, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, I, <laughs> do we have time for a quick story? Sure. So there was one, there was one time where the owner of the fisherman at the time's daughter was getting married and we were out in Montauk and we're at this really fine, uh, venue, Gurney's and Gurney's is right on the beach. And that morning before the wedding the reception, we were all on the beach. The fish were, uh, <laughs> we were surf fishing and there were 30 pound bass. And this is quite oh, a few okay. years back. Well, anyway, that pod of fish was moving down the beach toward where gurney's was where the wedding was and we're all in suits on the veranda having cocktails fred's in his suit and you know he started getting itchy because those birds came closer closer and closer (laughs) until they were right in front and the owner of the fisherman gave him the nod to go down there and start catching some of these fish so he went to his truck picked up his 11 foot rod walked out to the beach with his suit, took his shoes off, and the guy started catching thirty-pound fish in front of everyone. Every one of us, as we're sipping cocktails, what a scene it was! <laughs> well, this is vintage Fred Golifaro. Mike, thanks for sharing that with us. We're about to close out the show. Mike, uh, do me a favor, give the Fisherman website, please, and and I'm going to plug it up. This, listeners, this is this is the Bible of fishing, the Northeast, the Fisherman Magazine, also the Mid Atlantic Region. Go, Mike. Yeah, well, it's thefisherman.com, and you know, thank you, Tom. And, um, you know, it's my sympathies to those out there who knew Fred and mm-hmm. are feeling some pain. And, um, you know, Godspeed to everybody. And uh, there is also a, uh, a memorial service tomorrow. Well, today, it was Saturday. Um, uh, here on Long Island, Robert Moses Beach, Field 4 at 1 o'clock. Okay, Mike, you take care. God, Godspeed, brother, to Fred, and Godspeed to you. I hope to see you soon, Mike. Take care. Thank you, Tom. See Bye. you later, man. Bye. That'll do for this week on Rack and Fin Radio with me, Tom P. God bless America. God bless our troops. God bless our first responders. God bless law enforcement. See you next week. Rack and Fin Radio. 95.5 FM and.